So we're talking about death to selfie, right? Dun dun dun, death to selfie. Wow, I am not at little kids camp. Uh, y'all gonna have to like meet me in the middle halfway here, okay? We're talking about death to selfie this week. Mm. Mm. Try one more time. We're talking about death to selfie. Wow, there we go. And our theme verse is actually out of Matthew. Anyone have a Bible with them? Awesome. We got two people in the house. Congratulations to those of you who brought your Bible. For the rest of you, I'll read it. Matthew 16, verses 24 and 25, I believe. Hmm. Hey, look at there. That's amazing. No wonder no one brought their Bible. All right. Here's what it says. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Death to selfie is what we're talking about. And you guys know, you know and I know, that today's society and culture is all about... Self, right? And selfies. Everyone's taking selfies, duck lips, you name it. So I was doing a little research last week, and um, I was looking up interesting facts about selfies. So here's what I have for you. Ready? In 2015, more people died from taking a selfie versus shark attacks. I don't ask how, I don't really want to read the depressing stories, but like ridiculous <laughs> selfies off a bridge, not thinking through, okay? More people died last year from taking a selfie versus shark attacks. Apparently, there's a threat with duck lips. I don't know. Men tend to search, fellas in the house, this is for you. Ready? I'm about to front you all out. Men tend to search more for online tips on how to achieve the perfect selfie. And all of the guys said... <laughs> some agree, some don't. All right. We spend 54 hours a year taking selfies. That's more than two days. This year, you will spend more than two days of your life taking selfies. 54 hours. It's estimated, this one's interesting, that the first selfie was taken on a rooftop in New York City in December of... Anyone know the year? 1920. 1920. In the English language, use of the word selfie has increased 17,000% since 2012. The selfie stick, this one I think is hilarious. The selfie stick is a device on which a smartphone can be mounted to take self-portraits from farther away than an arm can reach. All the short-armed people said... Amen. Particularly popular in Asia, it has proved unwelcome in some places. Lawrence Allard, a French professor who studies mobile technology, told Time.com that true selfies do not use a stick. The selfie isn't just a portrait. It has its own codes and rules, and the main one is that a selfie has to have been taken by hand. An authentic selfie should show it was taken with your arm extended. That's a sort of signature. (laughs) 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 Who would have known? All the short-armed people got gypped on that one, whatever. 
Selfies are most popular in Australia, followed by the U.S. and Canada. And one last fact. An estimated one million selfies are taken a day. Today's culture, the world in which you guys are growing up in, is all about self. It's all about you. Look at me. Look at my life. Follow me. Even social media. There's apps, I guess, apparently with Instagram. I don't really know. But there's apps where you can get more people to follow you. Like, that kind of creeps me out. If I don't know you, I don't really want you following me. You know what I'm saying? I don't want you to see what I ate for breakfast. But there's apps designed to help you get more followers. And Twitter and Facebook, it's always how many likes can I get? How many comments can I get? Like for a TBH or write for a LOL or I don't even know, IDK, okay, really. I, I have no idea, but it's all about you. And it's all about me. And, and just like Kevin said earlier, selfish is not a choice. We are all born selfish, for being honest. Anyone care to be honest with me tonight? Great, there's seven of you. Fantastic. Selfish is not a choice. We are all born selfish because we're born in the flesh and it's broken and it's corrupt and it's sinful. But selfless is a choice. So here's where we have the conflict. Because the reality is, God's ways are not your ways. And your ways most certainly are not God's ways. And and that includes my ways. And His kingdom is not like our little K kingdoms. Right? People do me wrong, I'm going to make them pay. I'm going to say something about you. I'm going to punch you. I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to do something to you to let you know that you don't treat me like that. Right? Anyone ever said that? Okay. There's three of us. Fantastic. But you know what God says? God says when someone mistreats you and they punk you out and they're mean to you and they're rude to you, you should be kind to them. Now, wait a minute. Hold up. Time out, sir. <laughs> Did you fall off your throne this morning? <laughs> you doing okay? What kind of Kool-Aid are you sipping, God? Really? Because you're telling me to be nice to someone that's punked me out? But see, God's kingdom is not like your little kingdom. God's ways are not your ways. When someone takes something that belongs to us, man, one time someone broke into my car... And they took my duffel bag, and it, that duffel bag was from basketball in college. It really meant a lot to me. It was old, and it had holes, and it, there wasn't much anything of value in there, but it meant a lot to me. Man, I wanted to call Paul Blart on them fools. I'm like, I can't believe you don't took my duffel bag. Give me my duffel bag. <laughs> but you know what God's word says? You know what God's kingdom says? It says this, if someone takes something from you, give them something else. When people mistreat you, turn the other cheek. Be quick to forgive, slow to speak, quick to listen. Love others. Think about others better than yourself. Serve others. It's not about you. Die to yourself. Don, don, don. Nobody. Nobody, if we're being absolute honest, wants to sign up for that kind of life. Nobody ever looks at a cross and says, wow, I can't wait to carry mine. I can't wait to die to myself because in today's society, it's all about you and it's all about me. And anything that goes against that is foreign and it's weird and it's hard and it's dumb and no thank you. His thoughts are not your thoughts. But see, there's an invitation tonight for you. There's an invitation for you this weekend 
or this weekend, Kevin set it up perfectly. He set it up perfectly because the reality is this. You are right in the middle of a story. You are right in the middle of a story. You have a story. You have a voice. And there's two kinds of stories that you can be caught in. You can be caught in your own little fairy tale that you write yourself through your own choices and your own decisions. We can be a part of God's bigger story that since before the beginning of time, he's been writing about you. See, you're not some accident. You're not the result of two cosmic planets colliding together. You didn't come from a monkey, and you're not a mishap, even if someone's told you that. Long before you were ever born, long before you ever cried your first cry, you were a thought and an intention of God's heart. God said, I want a Frankie, and I'm going to make a Frankie. God said, I want a Blake, and I want a Mallory, and I want a Petra, and I want a Paris. And he said that about each one of you. And see, the crazy thing is, you're not just here at camp this week by accident. It's a divine appointment. You were set up for greatness. See, part of me is really sad for you, and part of me is really excited. I'm really sad for you because the reality is this. You have been punked by the enemy, by the devil who hates your guts, and he lies to you. And he trips you up, and and he whispers all the time in your ear that you're nobody, and you'll never be anyone, and nobody loves you, and God will never forgive you, and blah, 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 blah. You've been punked. But see, I'm really excited for you because just because that's the case doesn't mean that it's over. Because there is a God who is much greater and much bigger and much stronger. And he's saying, hey, child, come be a part. Come be a part of what I'm doing in the earth. There's an invitation this week to take a journey, a journey of faith. This is in John 21, starting in verse 1. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the son of Zebedee. I promise your name could be a lot worse. You ain't called Zebedee, just saying. And two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. You know, I hate fishing. I don't ever catch anything. I hate it. You're standing there holding onto a pole with a string in the water and ain't nothing happening. Drives me nuts anyway. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard this, don't miss this. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment Well, my version says where he was stripped for work. I'm sure he had something on. I don't know. We can ask Kyle later. He put on his honor garment and he threw himself into the sea. 
The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter, homeboy who just jumped in the sea, went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 large fish. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? They knew it it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. At this point, Jesus has already been dead. He's already been raised back to life, and this is the third time that Jesus has appeared. But you know what strikes me about the story? They had nothing. Nothing. They spent all night fishing, and they had nothing. Then homeboy, a.k.a. Jesus, shows up and is like, Hey, guys, got any fish? No. <laughs> He's like, cast it on the other side. And so they do that, and they catch all of these fish, 153 fish to be exact. And, and then John, the disciple that Jesus loved, John said, Hey, that's Jesus. You ever have one of those moments in your life where you know it was God who did something for you? We're like, oh snap, there's no way. That had to have been God. They had one of those moments and John said, hey, that's Jesus. And Peter, I mean it says, it says that they were only a hundred yards from the shore. Right? I mean he could have just waited. He could have been like, hey, Jesus, hey, we're coming. (laughs) Be right there, BRB, hang tight. But it says that Peter jumped in the water. You know why I think Peter did that? Because it showed he was desperate for Jesus. He was hungry for Jesus. I mean, he could have just waited, right? The story, I mean, did the other disciples do anything wrong? No, they just chilled in the boat and row, row, row your boat all the way to the little seashore. They didn't do nothing wrong, right? But Peter jumped all in because Peter had a desire to know Jesus and to see Jesus and to be close to Jesus. Peter was all in. Is that you? Are you all in? I would assume you are because you came to camp and quite frankly it's too doggone hot here to be at camp this week. Are you all in? Kevin asked earlier, why are you here? And some of you, if you're being honest, you're here because someone signed you up and you don't want to be. Some of you are here because you're so desperate to get out of your home. Some of you are here because you're shopping for a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Let's just cut to the chase and be real about it. Some of us are here because we're playing church because it's what we do because we spend the rest of the year living our lives how we want to live and then we come to House of Faith Camp and we'll come kneel on the carpet and we might shed a tear and we'll experience this goodness for a week and then we'll go right back home to the life we once lived. I mean, let's just cut to the chase tonight. Let's just be honest. And some of you are here because you really want to know this Jesus. You're desperate to know if His Word is true. You're desperate to know that God is big enough to save the day. Peter was all in. 
And not only did Peter jump in the water and swim to shore, but Jesus said, hey, someone bring me some fish. When someone says something, I'd be looking like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, John, you going to get him some fish, you know? <laughs> and when someone's like, hey, can someone grab the door? Mm-hmm. Someone say something. <laughs> I didn't hear nothing right. Jesus is like, hey, bring me some fish. And it says that Peter, hello, Pita. Peter went back to the boat and hauled in 153 fish. Your mama ever asked you to carry in the groceries? It's terrible, isn't it? It's like somehow she bought the entire Walmart and fit it into her car, and it's all on your shoulders to unload like mother. (laughs) And two hours later, you open the fridge, and there's nothing in there, right? (laughs) Like, what did I just unload? Mountains of toilet paper? Come on, Ma. Jesus is like, someone go get me some fish. Peter's all over it. You know why? Because Peter was all in. You know who gets rewarded in seeking Jesus? Those who are all in. The Bible says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. I do a terrible job of that. Because you know what? It's not enough to look for Jesus on Sunday morning when I go to church. And it's not enough that you wrap a house of faith shirt or you have 30 hanging in your closet at home or that you've become the house of faith since before it ever existed. Jesus said, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Why are you at camp this week? Are you a Peter? Are you just chilling on the boat waiting for God to show up and somehow do something? God rewards those who are all in. It's interesting, right after this, it says this, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon Peter, the one who jumped in the water to swim to shore, Simon Peter, the one who went and hauled 153 fish, to shore at the request of Jesus. Jesus looked at Peter and said this, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. Jesus said to Peter a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. You ever had to repeat yourself, maybe to your mama? You're starting to get exasperating at this point, right? Like, I already told you, I don't have no homework! <laughs> get off my case! <laughs> I mean, Peter, I mean, dude's dripping in nasty lake water, alright? Dude's tired, sweating, sore from hauling in fish, and Jesus want to be like, hey, do you love me? <laughs> I don't know. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. Jesus said to Peter a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved. Another word, hurt. Peter was hurt because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. I think Jesus is asking all of us tonight, do you love me? Tara, do you love me? And the natural response is to say this, but Lord, you know I love you, right? 
You know I love you. I was just kneeling down in front of the cross and I raised my hands. God, you know all things. You know that I love you. You know that I'm all in. But sometimes the things that we say don't exactly match the lives that we live. Death the selfie. It's an invitation for you this week to go on the greatest adventure of your life. The greatest, most epic adventure of your life. See, when we hear the gospel, when we hear Jesus, we see this cross and we're like, oh, no thanks, ugly, splinters, ouch, heavy, uncomfortable, awkward, loser. <laughs> no thank you. <laughs> but see, the reality is, is there's so much more packed behind that cross. Because that cross is not just a symbol. That cross is your freedom. That cross is your redemption. Tired of struggling with sin? Yours truly. You know what the Bible says? Like a dog that returns to its own vomit is the fool that repeats his folly. Translation, when you keep returning to that same sin again and again, you're like a dog returning to vomit. You tired of that? Good, because I'm tired of it, and we should be. And this... This is your key right here. This is your freedom. God has existed since before the beginning of time. The Bible says that when he breathes, he puts stars into the night sky. And not only does he put stars into the night sky, but he calls each star by name, and he numbers the very hairs on your head, and he sees when you wake up, and he sees when you go to bed, and he sees when you get up in the middle of the night and chug from the chocolate milk gallon that your mama would slap you for. He sees it all. And not because he's some creep, because he loves you. It's not about rules to break or condemnation or shame. God is not trying to front you out. He's simply asking, do you love me? Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than your own life? I told you at the beginning that some of you have been pumped. You think having followers and likes and Instagram and social media status quo is all of that in a bag of chips? You've been fooled, my friends. Because you will never know a greater love or acceptance than Jesus Christ hanging on the cross for you. He did that for you, and he did that for me. So here's the question for you tonight, and we're done. What about you? It's Monday night of camp. We're going to have a great week. You're going to get sunburned, sore, and tired, and grumpy. But you know what? I believe that this week, God wants to wreck shop in your life. Some of you, you're walking around carrying all this stuff that you don't need to carry and instead just leaving it at the cross and saying, God, your son was enough, your blood was enough. It's an invitation for you to literally jump out of the boat and be all in and say, Jesus, I'm all in. I don't get it and I don't understand and I'm kind of scared, but I think I'm all in. (laughs) Yeah. So here's the question. What will you say this week? What is your response to the invitation of Christ? Are you ready? Are you really uh, wanting to see God this week? Do you really love God? Do you really want God to change your life? If that's you, raise your hand. Okay. 
here's our, we're just going to close. Everyone, we're going to close in prayer.